Welcome to episode 62 of the Contra Fabulous podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And we are coming at you from lovely Hermosa Beach. And I'm, as I'm sitting here talking, I wonder how much of the sound in the background is going to be picked up. Yeah, it's a party weekend in Hermosa Beach. These are not the weekends we, we live in Hermosa Beach for, but um, they're a small or a medium-sized price to pay for the, the beautiful, quiet weekends we get here. So it's not a party weekend. It's the Hermosa Open. Um, it's the big annual AVP volleyball tournament. Um, and the beach is covered in uh, a stadium. It's a stadium has been built along with this giant, um, what's the name of those giant televisions that they have at sports? Yeah. Whatever they're called. This is the non-sport person saying this is really ridiculous and truly not looking forward to the Los Angeles Olympics, which seem destined to happen within the next 12 years. Yeah, anyways, it's, uh, things will be back to normal. Well, I guess it's, the summer will continue for a little while, but um, it's not too bad. <laughs> You're not sitting right by the open window with, like, this obnoxious dude. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, what's up? Uh, so, just uh, working on, working as usual, trying to get the, you know, Studying the space, getting the content out the door, but one um, kind of prime thing I've been working on for the last couple of weeks, so it's not, it's it's an ongoing, is just kind of manicuring and taking more control over my my personal data. You know, as I'm writing and keeping the content flowing and working to get my images organized, taking c- care of some of the the extraneous data out there. Um, I think is an important part of this. So over the last two weeks, I've been deleting my uh, Gmail. I've been deleting my Facebook profile and my Twitter data. Anything over approximately, you know, um, before 2017. So if it's not within the last six months to a year, um, I'm just not keeping it around on any of my networks. And I'm just archiving things and, and keeping things in order. So to be clear, you're not deleting like your Facebook profile you're deleting um facebook posts yeah i'm just cleaning up the data i'm not uh i'm not someone who goes and deletes my accounts even though i would love to most (laughs) most days um i i like the networks i've created for the most part um those could you know take regular grooming as well but yeah it's just uh you know all my tweets from from prior to 2017 going back to 2007 my facebook going back to around the same 2006 and 7 uh, Gmail as well, just uh, just cleaning up the, the 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 garbage that's out there, and just making sure it, it's it's kind of a, a relevant current snapshot of who I am and what I'm doing on social media that I'm in control of. So it's funny that um, you know I've been doing this for quite some time, um, a couple of months now. Um, been deleting uh, deleting my tweets. I I delete anything on Twitter and Facebook. Um, that's older than 90 days. Um, and I delete email that's older than a year. Um, but this week it was in the news, of course, because, uh, Trump hired a new communication director, um, Goldman Sachs, um, Anthony Scaramucci, 
who um, the one of the first things that people did when they when the news broke that he um, had this new job was that they dug through his old tweets um, and surfaced things that that he had tweeted previously that were quite contrary to current Trump administration policy. Um, and then uh, he, Scaramucci announced, um, I guess, yesterday, that he was actually going to delete all of his old tweets, he said, so that because he felt that what mattered was that he was on the same page with the president and that that his previous, he said that his, you know, he his ideas had evolved and he didn't want it to be a distraction. What mattered was that he was the mouthpiece for Trump now. Um, and so I thought it was interesting because people's, re I was thought it was, I think it's very interesting to see people's reactions to both Scaramucci deleting his tweets um, and the reactions that you've received um, from from people as well. Do you want to share some of the responses that you've been getting? Yeah, I mean, anytime I write about anything personal data-wise, reclaim as kind of I file it under, reclaim work, reclaiming your, your identity, your content, whatever, um, you get a whole waves of people who, who like to come out of woodwork and tell you that it's you know, it's futile what you're doing. And the most common thing people said to me when I delete my data, my Twitter data, Facebook, and Gmail is, well, you know, there's probably a copy of it somewhere. And what you're doing really doesn't mean anything. And and I find that interesting. I mean, I get a lot of people who email me, DM, and, and, and say things to tweet at me that this response. So it's, you know, it's, Yes, I acknowledge that in most of the posts, but not all of them, is that there's probably a cache, there's probably a backup. But, I mean, let's start there. I think that's pretty silly that, um, or unacceptable that we're putting our personal data on these platforms, and when we hit delete, they don't actually get deleted. That is an interesting point, that um, why are there backups, why are there extra copies of this? But um, even if, if there are, the platform has them, and that sucks, and we'll address that. But it also it keeps it from, more importantly from just being in the public domain. I mean, this data is accessible through API. So if I authenticate with my Facebook or my Twitter um, or my Gmail, I I have to say so, give people access. But in theory, they could have, third party people could have access to this historical data. So it prevents that. But then just breaches and and leaks and just generally public information tweets are public. It just prevents people from taking things out of context. And so it's interesting when, when the machine, as I see it, kind of pops up every time we speak about this and, and reminds us that, hey, you're not doing any good You should, you know, by deleting it. There's actually a copy. Yeah, so, the, so that's been their response. Um, that's been the response to you is sort of that it's not really deletion. Um, but what's interesting, uh, I think, are their responses as well to Anthony Scaramucci, who... You know, I'll be frank, like I completely support his right to be able to delete his tweets. Like I I think that it's different if you have an account that is not your personal account or if you create a Twitter account, say, as the president of the United States, the at POTUS account, or even if you are an elected official, I think that there are rec there are laws that demand that your information um, is preserved. Um, but in terms of in terms of individuals, I think that individuals have 
um, have the right to be able to hit, hit delete on any old tweet, whether they've changed their minds or whether they made a typo or, um, or a any, or they just feel as though they, they no longer want that information out there. And really their response, their response that the minute that this news was announced that he'd been hired, that that was the source that people turned to in order to somehow be able to increment, incriminate him was, I think, really indicative of why it's important, I think, for people to think about whether or not they want to have this information out there. Because I think it's, it's easy as someone who, um, uh, uh, you know, clearly, obviously I, I don't support Donald Trump and I, um, I'm going to likely have a lot of issues with pe people who <laughs> have previously worked for Goldman Sachs, right? That, those are my politics. Here's a time where someone, you know, where, you know, I think that these are not people who I agree with politically, but there are going to be lots of times in the future where things were said by people with whom I do agree politically. And so I think we have to think about why is it, why is it that this sort of data is now become this has become weaponized and to, to be used against people in this sort of way, right? Because these are things that people are, uh, pull up from not just that, you know, not just from the current, from sort of the last 90 days, but these are things that people have, have brought up from, from years ago, right? So, you know, I don't know when you created your Twitter account, my created my Twitter account, the current one I've got now, I think in 2008, um, and I, I had deleted, actually deleted my Facebook, the first Facebook, um, profile that I'd made, but you, you were having to go back and delete things on Facebook from, um, from probably the moment that Facebook allowed non-Harvard people without, you know, uh, edu address, email addresses to sign up. So you had, you know, um, you had a lot of things on there, um, to, to, that you needed to, or that you felt like you wanted to cull. And I think it's really, I think that people um, should think about whether they or not they want this stuff to be out there. And I understand, I do understand the historical um, artifact, the, the historical um, preservation argument that what's going to happen, you know, um, decades from now when we want to be able to turn to these things as, histor as the historical record. But frankly, I find that to be sort of a um, a red herring, because in many ways, like this stuff is not going to be accessible anyway for reasons of um, you know the the um, the the deprecation of of data formats and stuff. That I'm really I think that if we're if we want to have a discussion about preserving things, preserving digital data for the historical record, I'm all for that. If we want to say that you're not allowed to de delete tweets. Yeah, I, I just strongly, strongly disagree um, because I think that that's the kind of thing. I mean, I think that that's just a dangerous, a dangerous road. And I think it's it's problematic that we're really trusting private companies like Twitter and Facebook to be the um, to be the entity in which we entrust sort of this important historical record. Alre I mean, this is already a problem. Well, these these tools are being used to size us up 
as and and profile us and create these kind of um, psychological prof- psychological profiles of us and and it, for me it really shows the the danger of doing this. I mean, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's like you know Cambridge Analytica psychological profile. How does this person vote? You know, if you're looking at it from Amazon's perspective, it's it's very much what are they going to buy next? What can we sell them next? You know, and 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 then all the way to the the manual folks who are just like, hey, this person just got appointed to a new position. Let's size them up manually. Let's go back through their Twitter profile. Let's take things out of context. And the the kind of the the radical shift there, it, it it's it's a really slippery slope because like if I'm deleting all my tweets right now and just kind of proactively every month going, hey, I'm deleting you know everything older than a certain amount. Um, yeah, you get the 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 guys who come out of the woodwork and say, oh, that's wacky. You know, you're not deleting them. And it's like no, actually I am because now you can't find them and take them out of context. But if I did that in the moment of of appointment, like Scaramucci, now I'm hiding something. Okay, the same act, two different moments, I'm hiding something. And that, that was a common thing that I saw people say about him. Obviously, he's got something to hide. He's trying to bury this. It's like, no, it's just like, I mean, sure, maybe. But actually, probably more likely, I'm just trying to, to prevent it from being things from being taken, cherry-picked and taken out of context. And I'm going to probably save myself a lot of headache, not just... You know, I'm not saying I'm going to be appoint, appointed to any position in any time soon, or um, I'm running for president. I'm I'm not saying I'm not running for president, but you know, when these job situations come up, um, either in the interview, people are going to be looking and sizing you up, and I just want as much control over that as possible. I'm not hiding anything, but as I was going back and spending days having to use this tool to delete a massive amount of data. I went through all the way back to still being married, having other girlfriends and divorced, and then the the the, the last glorious eight years that I've been with you, I'm like, holy fucking shit! Whoops, man, I just totally blew the 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 sensor out of the water with that one. Sorry, um, but like there was some stuff I was just like, why would I have want to remember this? Why would I want to have this out there for anybody to use to size me up? Well, I think that you said one thing that's um, because I think that there is this tendency, and I was actually accused of this as well. Someone wrote a blog post about um, implying that the, I can't remember what, I think it was the Heckinger Report, which is a publication out of the Teachers College at Columbia, um, that they were uh, that they were sort of implicated in, in Gates Foundation money, et cetera. And we, we'll talk about that in a sec. But, um, but then at the very end of the post, they added uh, the sort of weird ending that I had just got a Spencer Fellowship. And when, well, the day I announced that I got the Spencer Fellowship, I also <laughs> announced that I was deleting my, po- my tweets. And I actually didn't, there, there's actually no connection between those two facts. But that was the interpretation that this person had, that I was hiding something and that I was wanting to erase the, the, the um, record because I had something to hide. Now, I, um, again, like, how do you want to interpret that? I mean, yeah, I have things I want to hide because I've had the Internet hate mobs come after me. And it's really fucking awful, sir. So you feel? Do you feel less bad now? You're not the only one that's cussed. Um, but I think that the the important thing that you said, and this is, I think, why um, both Twitter and Facebook are so dangerous um, in in the way in which this stuff gets resurfaced, is that it is out of context. And in fact. Um, even if a tweet, even if you've done your sort of, your, your, if you, even if you're sort of Twitter literate and are able to sort of um, 
uh, link your tweets together, right? That it's very easy to just like find one tweet, right? 140 characters or less and pull that out of context, right? Can pull that completely out of context with the things you've tweeted before or after it, right? It's very hard when you're searching for tweets, like they are, um, you know, unless you actually hit someone's Twitter profile and then scroll back historically, it's very, it's, it's impossible the way in which the Twitter um, UI works to see those tweets in, in context with what they tweeted before or after, right? Could you tell, for example, that, because I'm not a very good hashtag user, for example, could you tell that a comment I was making was a response to watching the Grammys, Maybe not if I didn't hashtag it, right? So it just looks like I made some sort of weird quip, um, uh, you know, a 140 character quip that is very easily taken out of context. Um, could you tell that I would, had just been tweeting about an article that I read and I made a comment? No, it's not. It's really hard to tell what's going on. And then furthermore, it's very hard to know sort of what's go what happened that day. Um, you know, what happened that day in the news, but what happened that day, you know, for me or for a person individually to know why, why a particular comment was made. Um, and I think that that's why uh, this, the, the stuff, um, the stuff that happened, the, st the way in which emails, but particularly social media posts get really ripped and taken out of context is, is especially, is especially dangerous. And I think that, you know, people should think about how they want to clean this stuff up. And of course, you know, if, if you can always request a copy of your Twitter archive or your Facebook history, you can download that them yourselves. And so if you do delete things, if for some reason, you know, 50 years from now, you feel are feeling really nostalgic to look at what status updates that you made before you met me, right? I mean, I guess you, you could do so. But um, I think that it's the way in which the, the architecture, the information architecture of Twitter in particular makes it so easy for people to take these really short, um, uh, really short tweets and and rip uh, that are already kind of context free, just by the way in which Twitter works on a day to day basis, right? It's sometimes hard to tell what people what people are talking about if you can't see all of their tweets together. Um, I think that there's a, I think that there's every reason for people to be deleting, to be deleting their their stuff. And I and I so again you know, fully in support of Scarmucci for doing this for doing this act. The the rest of him is is really horrible. I saw someone say he looks like a guy that's about to tell the Ghostbusters they don't have the right permits. I mean the guy it looks um, sufficiently revolting, but. Um, but yeah, uh, he should be able to delete. He should. He's absolutely right. He, he maybe should have thought of it before he took the job. If you really well, want to be a communications director, I really can't reconcile the you know the people saying you know all this stuff should be public record. It's like whether it's your personal, whether it's your Twitter. You know, Mark Zuckerberg and and Jack Dorsey. You know, we're not a utility. We're not media outlets. You know, all the, the, the swirling toilet bowl of, of kind of perspectives that you get on, on what this stuff is, what this stuff isn't, um, the value of it, the, you know, the, the lack of value um, is fascinating to me. And I mean, I think for me, it comes down to, well, what's mine? What do I have control over? And that's all this is about. And in a world where you're seeing elections 
being influenced by Twitter and Facebook. You're seeing people's private emails being read on stage during a, a you know, the debates and as part of the press. Why would we trust any of these platforms with their data? And, you know, I'm not totally going out in left field. I'm still using these platforms. I'm still tweeting. I'm still posting to Facebook. And yes, I'm being very mindful of what I say most well, of the time. Well, that was going to be my next question um, is, do, do you think that, I mean, I know that you had a, um, you really changed the way in which you use social media starting last summer. Um, and I think changed it again after the elections. But do you think that deleting stuff is going to make you change how you, what you say? Um, I don't think it's going to, ch- you know, I'm still going to be just as vocal as I ever, you know, I mean, yes, definitely last summer, I would say changed me on several levels is one, I, I'm just more mindful of the salt of, of digital on us. But I also kind of came out clean about my pre uh, large portions of my previous life, you know, as we were dealing with, you know, our personal situations last summer. And, and so I'm pretty vocal about what I say and how I say it. Um, so I, I'm I'm not holding back. I'm actually I would say pretty transparent and observable in everything I'm doing and who I am. Now, do I want all of that stuff remaining beyond its expiration date? No. I think there's especially um I think the web is really built for the now and I want to have as much control over that narrative and message as I possibly can for my brand and who I am, but just defensively like you know how I, how people perceive me or how my insurance gets rated you know how my my you know when I rent a place or rent a car you know that the the price that's going to get set is increasingly being you know driven by a lot algorithmically by a lot of this data so I just want to have as much input into all of that as I possibly can I don't think it's changing how I'm saying it. it's just but it does force me to be more thoughtful about it on a day-to-day basis yeah, I because I, I was thinking about this. Um, I I too I think that um, I'm not sure that for me ch- deleting things has changed what I um, how I how I use social social media. I mean, it's not as though it either frees me to say more things because I know it's going away in 90 days or makes me more cautious about saying things because I'm so much more aware now of the way in which it's weaponized. Um, But I, uh, I do, you know, I do think a lot about, um, you know, to me, it's sort of seeing this stuff get uncovered by other people that, that reminds me, I think that, um, that it's, it's technically, but also, um, culturally, we really are living in the sort of gotcha moment in which people are looking for you to sort of make a faux pas in which they can try to destroy you. Um, and that sounds really like overwrought and exact and hyperbolic, but like, uh, I think that that's unfortunately part of the sort of outrage, um, world that we live in is that we're and that that think that these technology um, behaviors and technology um, infrastructure is all part of this larger this sort of larger cultural shift that um, that I think is making you know is making it's interesting because at the same time you know we I you know on college campuses there's been a lot of discussion about free speech and um, and academic freedom and the you know um, sort of I think these 
I think, incorrect stereotypes that somehow college students are intolerant and not willing to listen to, say, conservative or uh, viewpoints or, or <laughs> white supremacists that have been invited to come to campus. Um, uh, so it's interesting to think about, um, but then at the same time, I think we're also seeing a lot of particularly fa female faculty of color who are finding their their jobs um, in trouble because they've said things uh, online. And so I just feel as though we're in this moment where um, I think that it serves, it's, it's probably beneficial for everyone to... Um, I don't want to say, like, it's hard because you don't want to argue for self-censorship, but I think to, I think people need to be uh, really careful with um, with what they what they say and where, um, because the, the, the data stuff tends to, like I said, like I've repeated like four times now, like, it's just weaponized, um, so readily weaponized by other people. On, you know, what what goes on the permanent record? And I feel like we're self-building this record for a lot of people um, to surveil and to make assumptions and, and considerations about us. And I think just the more we clean it and groom it and are aware of it, um, the more we can have discussions because, you know, there's certain aspects of, of my life that are very public out there because, um, because I got a grant from a foundation that published it on their site saying I got it. Um, there's a lot of things that um, I want out there, and but are public record, and I want things to be about other people to be out there that are similar. Like if someone gets a grant for research, I would like to know that, you know. I so I oh, is this a I good segue? Some, is this your segue here? Yeah, this is kind of my segue <laughs> into how we how we store our bits because very much I'm not doing this to my domains that are that I have within my control. I'm very much have a. a you know, blog all the way back to 2006 and seven on kinlane.com that very much um, talks about this. I have drawn recovery that very much chronicles what happened last summer. And I'm perfectly happy leaving these things up because there's a lot more context there. I'm in a lot more control, but it lives within my domain and repository. And similarly, I'm able to find other information about people, um, companies and information, public figures, um, people who are getting money from different people that I think is very important and that feeds into you know that's a big part of our work so it's not like we're we're advocating every you know we're very pro transparency and very pro open data to a certain degree but within certain um, layers you know individuals should have a heightened level of control unless you enter into this realm where you're a public figure or you enter into this realm where you're a foundation or a company um, then you know, there should be more rules and, 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 you know, regarding social media as well as uh, regular sites and disclosures, financial disclosures that should be made publicly. Well, I mean, this, you know, this is, I think that this boils down to, uh, as has um, everything does in, in my little, uh, it's just to a question of power, right? So as, a, as an individual on Twitter, that that's a very different, you have a very different power there um, than does Twitter the company. And you have a, you know, and then the, the how many followers you have, for example, um, changes uh, is, a, is a question of, of power, how big your network is. Um, but then it's also connected to the sort of power that you have outside of Twitter as well, right? Do you have, like, the, you know, connection, obviously, to the power of the, uh, to some sort of, you know, carceral, carceral authority? Do you have the power to sort of arrest people and detain them for what, for what, 
for what they say online? Do you, do you have the power to um, get someone fired? Uh, are you someone who is listened to, listened to? And so it's, you know, when you think about this question of transparency, I think it's always a question of power, right? So like you were alluding to, I've been working for the past couple of weeks on some of my Spencer Fellowship um, research, which, you know, at the broad level, this research is sort of trying to figure out how, where the, like, how the money is shaping the policy when it comes to education technology and looking at the sort of networks among investors and entrepreneurs sort of so that you can sort of so I can sort of trace where some of these ideas come from and how they get spread and of course one of the really I mean one of the most powerful forces in in education policy in the U.S. is is Bill Gates. Um, you know, he's the richest man in the, in the world and um, has um, given over um, many billions of his of his uh, and his wife he and his wife's money to his foundation, which is sort of used, I think, to sort of to with with I mean, the amount of money is just mind boggling that that the organization has spent on on education related grants um, and it has truly shaped education policy in ways that I think are profoundly anti-democratic, right, because um, the, these two individuals, because of their wealth, have been able to sort of fund and further um, certain initiatives um, that I'm not sure would have ever come about if they weren't being bankrolled by a billionaire. I mean, they're very much in line with what Bill Gates um, and his organization's vision are for education reform, um, which is, you know, obviously heavily reliant on on uh, technology and uh, less and less reliant wherever they can make it possible on a unionized labor force. Um, so anyway, so I was, you know, looking at looking at who's received Gates Foundation money. And on the one hand, I think that there are rules that that make that that require the Gates Foundation to list where their um, list where their dollars go. It's not easy to find, or it's not easy to navigate that website, and some of that information, although they can say they're being fully transparent, the way in which it's coded, the way in which it's, um, you can retrieve the information is still quite um, inaccessible. So I pulled, uh, I pulled, I mean, I pulled to the best of my ability, I pulled the list of all of the grant recipients, education grant recipients, since 1998. But again, it was, you know, going through their search mechanism, if something wasn't flagged as education and didn't have certain words in the title or description, I couldn't find it, right? It wasn't going to come up in my, in my searches for me, to, for me to pull. And then there's money that got, doesn't go through that grant process, right? There are um, contracts, for example, that the Gates Foundation awards or is awarded to do work or sort of acts as a middleman funneling money elsewhere to do work. There's venture capital investments that don't, f that don't fall under grants that are actually investment, not, um, not grant money. And so I think that it's, you know, transparency when you think of, when you think of, or when you say that, you know, I'm for transparency, I think that, I think it's always important to recognize the, the power dimensions of this because, you know, the Gates Foundation can claim that they're, that they're working transparently, Right, they can um, say that this is important. It's important for them that governments and schools work with more transparency. But I think that the question of power 
um, always complicates that because, I mean, if nothing else, when you have someone like Bill Gates, sort of, it, when you have someone like Bill Gates deciding that something should happen, um, the amount of money and power that goes into doing that is is incredible. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, so that, I mean, that's been something I've been working on the last couple of weeks um, and, and seeing patterns, I mean, I, fi- I think I'm quite familiar with, um, you know, with education, with education technology investment and networks and learn, you know, I learned things that I hadn't, didn't know before because I think that there wasn't, even though the information was on the Gates Foundation website, it wasn't in any of the news articles I read and people didn't boast, for example, that they'd received this money. And so I think that there are ways in which, you know, transparency in some ways is a foil to say that you're doing the right thing, um, when really it's the stuff is this, um, the information is still obscure, and transparency doesn't erase power. Well, and for me, I mean, I use this as a segue to kind of move into this other topic, but you know, I really see this as a spectrum that. You know, it's interesting that down at the lower levels of, of the supply chain and, and, and the human population that your social profile can, can be used as part of, you know, giving you credit, giving you a payday loan. You know, increasingly part of the discussion of, of whether you have access to student loans. It could, it could be used as part of whether, you're, you know, you're going to reoffend in a, in, in a legal case, in a judicial situation. And that very much transparent, yes, big, you know, people want that to be accessible. They're going to use your social data if you're not cleaning it up and manicuring. But up, up the upstream, you know, to be able to find, you know, the networks, where the money flows, whether people are credible or enough, where the story's at, you know, there's much more shade, algorithmic shade. You don't, you're not going to get at a lot of that. You're not going to see those networks. You know, I can judge you downstream based upon your, your network and who you hang out with, you know, and their social scoring. But for you to judge upstream, you know, um, about networks and find out where the money flows, that's going to be a lot more difficult. And there's a lot more money spent on on hiding and and shading that. So I I really see these worlds as being very connected. Yeah. Well, there's more. uh, Yeah, I'll have more. I mean, obviously, my Spencer um, Fellowship research is ongoing. And I've been trying to cram as much into it this summer before we actually leave um, for New York, but uh, for me, this this sort of stuff is definitely ongoing, and uh, um, you know, I guess we should wrap things up. But just thinking about you know identifying for me, identifying these connections um, is is really interesting. But I think that you know the um, always being aware of what what power looks like and what it means for people to be implicated. Right, because I think that that's you know all of this is about judgment and implication in some ways. Like, what does it mean to be implicated um, by by these things? And 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 am I? And for me, as someone who, you know, I I want to be able to do this work ethically. Um, what does it mean to sort of make sure that I'm not stripping things out, stripping away the context? Right. So it's not as though I've published a list of you know thousands of three thousand plus 
education grants so that we have a blacklist of organizations, you know, to avoid because they've taken they've taken money from Bill and Melinda, right? But I think so. I think that thinking about how you know always thinking about how does data when you work to open data, how does that data get wielded by people who are really interested in in I think going after. Um, going after people who've taken this money. So that's more food for thought for another for another podcast. Yeah, well, until next time. Until next time. <laughs>